In the city of Nidex, it's business as usual for most. But little do they know that their city is currently threatened by a catastrophic danger. The laboratory of renowned scientist Coljay, where he develops groundbreaking technology utilizing moon dust, has been overtaken by a band of pirates. Coljay has sought the help of the regional government to address the matter, due to the risk that the laboratory's moon dust collector and storage tanks, if not properly managed, could result in a devastating explosion, the extent of which even he is not entirely sure. The government of Nidex has sought out three brave individuals to quietly neutralize the situation without causing panic and chaos among the general public. Welcome to Background Checks, a character and world building podcast uh, to the world. Um, I'm Brian Perry. <laughs> I'm Houston Bobley. And I am Jake Bush. It's a world building podcast to the world because we're it's a podcast that goes to the whole world, maybe potentially. And also, there's a world that we're making. It's to that world. And if you think about it, just, just the act of creativity in and of itself is us building onto this world that we live in. Oh, whoa. That's deep. I didn't even think of that. You guys aren't wrong. It doesn't mean it sounds eloquent, though. Fair. Okay, welcome. Um, today, uh, Jig Bush is our uh, quest giver. And let's go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. oh. I, I feel like our communication on this podcast is slowly digressing into just going into the, those basic like early stages of podcasting of, okay, let's go transition transition <laughs> now. Okay. What's our world building prompt today, Jake? Okay. So today's world building prompt has to do with some of the stuff we're going to be discussing in, uh, in our overall campaign prompt. And that is, regarding moon dust and how it's being utilized to advance technology in this world. So the question is, what types of machines and what kind of technology has been developed that's causing a buzz around, around Shivalo? Okay. Can I ask you something, Jake? Yes. Were you eating something while you were explaining that? You know, I don't think I should have to answer that question. <laughs> so what I'm going to say, this is a very, like, basic technological development but i think some green moon dust can be used as a spice like it is magical and does have uh constructive properties but i'm sure there's some people who just use it as a nice flavoring to their steak or whatever um i'm saving you there jake because we really are just like falling apart at the seams here as a podcast but you know <laughs> i'll just pretend you were in character on that one yes i was um that's the biggest technological advancement is that people just decided to start eating it you can use it as seasoning. Um, is it weird that the first thing I thought of was pencil sharpener? Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. But I just I was just reminded that pencil sharpeners existed at one point. I guess they still exist. There are still pencils. But like, I think it was because I saw a Calvin and Hobbes cartoon that had a pencil sharpener on the wall. And I was like, oh, yeah, pencil sharpeners. Um, do they use pencils? I don't know. I, did, when, did, when were pencils invented in the real world? Probably... A while ago, but not like ancient times. Well, that's probably like charcoal and stuff like that. But the idea of something you needed to sharpen. The idea of like graphite within a cylinder yeah. of wood. I don't know. Probably 1996. And I propose this to go along with this pencil conversation. Because I think we've taken for granted that we're just basically copying the spells and spell systems of D&D for this podcast. But no, no, we're not. No, we're not. For legal reasons, no, we are not. For legal reasons, we are adjacent to D&D in its methodologies of certain spell practices. 
But that doesn't mean that every spell has to just be in the context of, oh, you have some supplies and you cast it. Well, I guess what I'm proposing is supplies. But what I'm saying is something like illusory script could just be like moon dust that you dip a quill in. And when you write on a sheet of paper in like mixed up moon dust with water and oil, then it creates this illusory script that can perform its own magical systems like I think Moondust has worked its way into a lot of our spells in ways that are not just saying, hey, I've got a gemstone and abracadabra, I'm now creating a fireball. But it has some sort of transformative. I would propose it does a lot with illusion magic yeah. because that's going to feed into my character later. That I would love to have established, but I'm open to suggestions. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I want to take it a step further. What if... Okay, I don't want to go as far as saying, like, everyone has phones, but I think taking your idea of illusory script and things like that, what if, instead of having it be, like, a scrap of paper, what if everyone did have a device that you could write on and have it be sent to someone or be written at the same time, and that it was, like, sort of ubiquitous? Everyone had sort of, like, a sidekick. Like, you remember sidekicks yeah. that were, like, it was, like, a phone, but all it did was text? Yes, those were amazing. It was such a good idea because no one's no one wanted to use their phone. But then iPhones were like, hey, actually, what if you wanted to do everything on one device? Um, right. But that's what I'm picturing is what if there is a, a magical sidekick okay. that is powered by moon dust? Yeah. OK, I like this. See, because this is where this is more where I was going, like what you're mentioning, Brian, because, you know, so, so far we've got illusory scrolls, pencil sharpeners. Um, you can put it on your chicken. But <laughs> Oh, I was not picturing a dead ch- I wasn't picturing chicken the food. I was picturing chicken the animal. I was like, I don't know why you would put it on a chicken. Uh, you could do that too. But no, like I think uh, the idea here is that, um, so Cole J, who's a character who's showing up in this uh, episode, is a scientist who has kind of taken things to the next level. And so he's actually building technologically advanced machines that utilize moon dust. And so I was even thinking like, you know, like a, like a one man helicopter type thing that mm-hmm. has a quote-unquote engine that can magically run off moon dust to keep it in the air or something. I'm still stuck on the aspect that I thought you said you would put a pencil sharpener on a chicken, and I thought that was a very uh, grotesque version of avian torture. I'm still kind of stuck there. Yeah, it's not that. I don't know if that counts as technology. I, I just I just needed to share my thoughts. It's sort of a thought technology for avian torture. Um, what I was thinking about is, okay, so originally when Houston and I sort of had the moon dust original conversation i think we had some kind of conversation about like yes you can like do a spell to make something go faster or you can like rub moon dust on your carriage to make it go faster or make it run on its own right right right. like one of the big big inventions was like a motor or someone designing like an actual car things like that where you like take take an object and just make a better version of it that moon dust can influence better something like that so that's why i like the idea of the sidekick it's like yeah you could do like illusory scrolls or you could like do that but it's like no now there's actually a device that is built for that right it auto maybe it's like maybe it's paper set in a frame but the paper will clear itself after you're done writing on it like the book in harry potter or whatever but it's it's for sending messages back and forth and you just write on it and and say who you're sending it to and it's 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 more accessible to people who don't have their own magic. Yeah, it, I, I think it is going to be expensive, but it is something right. Uh, not to get ahead of ourselves with a campaign, but I know there's going to be a governor character who is kicking off our quest for today. And while he might not be a spellcaster, I'm sure he has a bunch of these 
these message papers with different uh, constituents or uh, advisors who are out and about in the field who are reporting back messages to him so he can be on top of that information. Yeah, I think generally when we introduce any technology, I like the idea that some people have them. It's not established. Like maybe we'll come up with something that we think it would actually make sense that this is really, really popular and everyone has it. People are able to make it cheap or whatever. But I think I like in general for that to be the rule of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people who have access to this have you access to You heard it here first, folks. Brian likes classism. Separation of wealth. I love it. Hey, cool. Should we get into the uh, this, the deep, rich story that we're going to get into then? Absolutely. Uh, cool. So, uh, yeah, we can jump into things. And uh, no, but I, I like where we went with that because that was kind of my idea is like Moondust is kind of being harnessed in creative ways right and that leads to technological advancement so cool all right setting the stage your characters are at the governor's mansion and they walk into the room and they sit down and uh, there are guards everywhere the doors locked behind you um you were all searched before you came in and the governor gets up to the podium and he says i'd like to uh Thank everyone for coming today, and I understand that uh, you might have a lot of questions. We'll get to those in due time, but uh, I'm going to allow uh, this fellow here to uh, give a quick uh, rundown of the situation. And he points to uh, Cole J, who uh, stands up and comes up to the podium. And he basically explains that what we have going on here is uh, his laboratory, which lies on the outskirts of Nidex the town. Uh, he showed up there one morning, and it had been overrun by pirates. And he is suspecting that these pirates um, are going to try to sell the moon dust that's being collected by his moon dust collecting machines. And when he approached, they basically tried to murder him and ran him off. And so he came to get help. But the major concern, which he explains to the group, is that every week or every two weeks, he has to sort of jettison some of the moon dust that is uh, collected at his facility. Because if not it sort of reaches critical mass that can result in a massive explosion of chaos and magic that would have horrible consequences upon the region. And uh, the governor is uh, very concerned about the public finding out about this, not just because of the panic that would ensue, but because these technological advancements with Moondust are fueling an economic boom, and he doesn't want to lose public support over that. So your characters have been hand-selected for reasons that we will learn to come up with a plan to neutralize the situation to avoid a cataclysmic event involving moon dust magic without anyone finding out. Awesome. Okay, who's going first then? I think it's you, Brian. Okay, let's do it. My character's name is Edward Cetera. He is a high elf uh, alchemist, artificer. So he he works a lot with moon dust and uh, sort of, he's probably has lots of different patents and things. But they're not his own. They belong to Col J's company because he's a former employee who was fired publicly by Col J for correcting him. So uh, Edward Cetera, he goes by uh, by Eddie Cetera, and he, you know, there was a point where um, where Col J was making a public statement about the company and about the technology, and he said, "No, uh, actually, that's not how it works. I, I built that device, and that, that's actually not how it works." Uh, and he was fired on the spot. And for months, he hasn't been able to find another job. And so he he had his sort of connections within the company to sort of know what was going on. 
And so he actually showed up to the governor's office before the word even before there were even like requests for volunteers. And he showed up and said, hey, I need to uh, I need to be a part of this. I need to get in there and, and fix this because I, I know the system's better than anyone, even better than Cole J. Ah, so he wasn't necessarily hand selected. He he showed up. Because he caught wind because of his connection. Yeah, exactly. Is that right? You know, you know, sometimes when someone works at like a tech company and then they don't work at that tech company anymore, they still sort of know what's going on in that company because they have all these connections. Yeah, like if someone still had access to some sort of like application that allows you to view like anonymous postings from employees of that company only if you're an employee and it hasn't been deactivated yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can't really, ima- I can't really imagine that, but this feels uh, very specific, and I feel like I need to talk to your guys' employers. <laughs> Um, I don't have an employer. <laughs> one of yours, former employer, and the other's current <laughs> employer, I should say. So anyway, it is not an internal system. It is not. It is. He not, doesn't have actual access to anything inappropriate. But yes, he, uh, he he knows what's going on. He knows he knows the rumors, and he knows about the takeover, and he knows that that he is very qualified to to help resolve this situation because he knows the technology. Okay. Okay. And Cole J just kind of looks at you and like glares. I don't even know if he would know who I am. Like he might not even remember me. Oh, okay. That's how I'm picturing it. Is like like I show up and he's like, "Cool, we've got these volunteers." And I'm like, "You, you know, do you know what you did to me?" Just lots of nerd rage. Oh, I see. I see. It's a, it's a disgruntled. It's a disgruntled. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like he was fired directly by this guy, but the guy does not remember him. Is how I'm picturing it. Never even learned his name. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Love it. Well, I'll go ahead and jump in with my character to this so that unless Jake, you had some plan in mind, but I assume you wanted to save your character for last. Yeah, I'll do my character last. Okay, let me tell you about Trevor Newman. Trevor is a forest gnome. He's also an illusion wizard. And I kind of left some things up in the air as towards his backstory, depending on how we decided on um, our story building prompt because I wanted to explore illusion magic and specifically I had my own agenda to make it part of uh, moon dust related uh, behaviors nice. you might say. We haven't gotten too much into this but first go back towards the socio-political climate of Niderex or Nidex. Oh, let's get into that. Let's get into everyone's favorite thing to talk about. And I like classism. (laughs) You like classism. I like politics. Great podcast. Um, Anyway, so with our horseshoe world of Shivalo, we kind of divvied it up into the left side is mostly a monarchy and the right side is a republic. And I like to think that this republic happened recently or rather not the the whole island hasn't been a republic the whole time. I think there are some areas that remained as like a monarchy of some form. And I'm proposing that the island of Nidex uh, was the last to change its political system because uh, Trevor Newman is a was a former prince of the island. Uh, I think he never really wanted to be a king or be some like high end socialite or aristocrat. But he did he was like incredibly talented, incredibly gifted. He always wanted to be close to the system and be kind of the conciliary of uh, other people in charge. That way he could kind of just focus more on refining his professional opinion on matters rather than having to make the hard choices. Nice. So he kind of helped out with the transition between governments 
So he's part of this Republic system as like, a, hey, for those of you who were super into the monarchy, don't worry. It'll be okay. I'm staying on board. I'm one of the yeah. chill princes of that monarchy. Uh, I also want to get into gnome culture. And this is me applying how I've always had gnome culture in our D&D campaigns. Is this going to be your spelling thing? Oh, yeah. Nice. I love it. Gnomes, to me, have a side language compared to everyone else. And it's not in the way they speak. It is in the way they write. Uh, Trevor Newman, his name is not how you'd imagine it. It is C-H-R-E-V-R, and then Newman is P-N-E-U-M-Y-N. Everything is spelt weird, but it's still, you can still figure it out. It's kind of like Shakespearean text where, like, oh, yeah. it, if you're reading it or hearing it, like, it sounds different, but you can still decipher it. Uh, that is specifically how gnome culture is. Also with that, they tend to speak in limericks a lot. So that is very much Trevor's whole thing is he's this very, uh, let me give you his uh, celebrity look like. And it is Hugo Weaving, specifically Hugo Weaving in Lord of the Rings. Uh, he's a gnome. Hugo Weaving. Explain how this gnome looks like Hugo Weaving. I can't picture him looking like a gnome. Well, I mean, take Humo, Hugo Weaving and then shorten him. Cut him in half. Yeah, I guess. Just shrink all his proportions. And that is Trevor Newman. I guess. All right, I can, I can see it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he doesn't have to look right. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. That's just how he looks. I just, it's just very strange to pick an elf who's who's famous for playing an elf and not make him an elf. I think that's what was in my way. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that's why I struggled with it. I think we're here to uh, break fantasy storytelling tropes a little bit. Yeah, fair. I do want someone who has a deep Megatron-esque voice to be a gnome want to show people that they don't have to be the nasally high and you follow the yellow brick road kind of gnomes. I mean, Can. well, and my, mine does have that kind of voice because um, just because he's a stereotypical nerd, but he's a high elf. So I guess we've just sort of swapped. I didn't give my celebrity reference. It's Morris Moss from the IT crowd. Oh, nice. Fair enough. I like that. Yeah, see, I, I wouldn't have been as thrown off. Uh, Houston, if you had it, said that he looks like Hugo Weaving, you know, the guy that played Agent Smith in The Matrix. He's more of a he's more of a, a gnome. <laughs> okay, so imagine well, he's just less of an elf. <laughs> imagine a gnome who speaks like Hugo Weaving, looks like Hugo Weaving, also wears sunglasses because he's just that cool. Nice. But he's also speaking in limerick the whole time. Um, I'm not going to do a Hugo Weaving impression, nor am I going to try and come up with a limerick on hand. You didn't come with a limerick prepared? I feel like if, if that's a part of his personality, you, you should be required to give us one limerick. But we'll, give you, we'll help. I'll give you till the end of the episode. <laughs> Unless Brian wants to help and make one right now. I don't know the protocol here. I don't know the protocol for coming up with a limerick on a podcast. Here's just his general advice he gives to people. If at first you don't succeed, give up. Smoke some weed. Do you mean that he speaks in couplets? Because that's way easier to approach. Yeah. That... It's possible I'm mixing the two up in my mind. Maybe it's couplets. I think we're going to go with couplet. That's a lot easier to work with. The work is Here's another personal favorite of his. He also likes lyrics, but his main style of speech is couplets. Yes. Maybe he just like. He speaks in like couplets so much that every once in a while he just stumbles into a lyric, yeah. like a limerick on accident, and then he gets really excited about it. Yeah. Here's another of his favorites. 
I love this guy. When I when when you said his name, I had like a deep like connection. I was like, oh, I remember Trevor New- Newman. It's been it's been years since you played Trevor Newman, and I'm glad that you're bringing him in this in this uh, realm. Let me tell you, he's very different from what he originally was proposed as. The original Trevor Newman was just me as a gnome, pretty much. Like he didn't have all this personality. It's now be awkward. I was going to say I remembered him being a jerk, so it's. it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was you. That sounds about right. You're a jerk. Here's another limerick or another couplet he just gives to break awkward silences and meetings um, when things are getting a little heated. Just in his Hugo weaving drawl, just no matter how much you jiggle, how much you dance, the last few drops always land in your pants. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> he he just says that just to people, just to. He he rarely smiles, rarely laughs, but he loves making people laugh. Loves just making people happy. And so he always throws out just like these random sayings just to ease the tension. Okay. Uh, I feel like I have a very clear picture of Trevor. The prince. Prince Trevor. Sorry, Prince Newman. Uh, no, he's not he's not a prince anymore because But I feel like okay, fine. I was I was assuming he would still sort of call himself a prince. Oh no. He is Trevor Newman. Trevor. Uh, that's why they brought him on as a consigliere, because he's past that. He doesn't care about the title. He just wants to help. But he has studied the art of moon dust, and that's where a lot of his illusion magic powers come from, is his familiarity with it. And that's why he's brought on. One, he knows the governor, two, he is an expert in this matter. And can be beneficial if something uh, is not adding up right in the lab. Can I establish something about the, those characters, about um, your character and the, the governor? I like the idea that you appointed him as governor back when they were in the old like royal system. But he's only governor. Like if he, he's going to continue as governor, he's going to have to win an election. I feel like that would be a good uh, reason for him to be kind of nervous. It's like this is my first time. Being I like that. I like that. I'm yeah, down. I like that a lot because like like. I was sort of envisioning it that way as well, that like a big reason why all of this is hush hush is because it's a PR nightmare for his reelection campaign. Right. And like he's never had had to be elected before because he was just appointed yeah. back in the old system. OK, that's fun. Yeah. I think we're on to something. And if he blew up, the, if he blew up the city, if he like he's running on the platform of like advanced moon dust technology. Yeah. Working with Bull J. And if it blew up the city, then that would probably be bad for his ratings. If there isn't a city, you can't be the governor of it. Exactly. Are, we, are we sticking? No, he's the regional governor, right? He's the regional but, governor. But if the city blows up, then the whole region would probably not like city. Him. Yes. Yeah, fair. That's that's the complication of naming a city after the region. But it's such a normal thing in the world that yeah, it has yeah. to happen. It's the capital. Can we call it can we call it yeah. Nidex City? Sure. Because then it's kind of like Night City from Cyberpunk. Yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. Nidex Nidex City is what I call it. Okay, sweet. All right. So my character is an elf. Uh, He is uh, born and raised in Nidex City. Um, He is uh, male. He's around 60 years old, but he looks much younger than that. Very good-looking guy. And sort of his background. So he is a a famous, like, theater performer in Nidex City. And he's also famous, like, elsewhere as well. He's, like, sort of a big star. And he's really well known for his charisma, for his charm. He's got a winning smile, but he's also like very athletic and very acrobatic. And a big appeal of the shows that he does is him like doing stunts and like feats of acrobatics and things. He's very high in in both dexterity and charisma. And uh, being sort of a prominent, you know, famous 
person. He also has connections within the government. And so they went to him and they, they figured, you know, you've got the skill set for this. Um, but at the same time, they know that he understands um, PR. Like, right. Yeah, that makes sense. And so they're like, we know that he'll stay hush hush about it because he understands like how bad this yeah. would be for the governor and for him. Um, if he, if he, you know, like if things go poorly, but also if information does get out, if something leaks, he will also be really good at sort of coming up with a convincing story. Yeah. I was just thinking that like slap him on a poster and be like, Oh yeah, he saved the day with, you know, the governor saved the day with the help of everyone's favorite hero. Exactly. So yeah. So it's like part, it's, it. it's part that like he is qualified in, in terms of like, you know, I feel like, like your characters, oh, yeah. Brian, yours is, yours has, uh, the knowledge um houston yours has couplets, <laughs> couplets. What, what, does your, what does your character bring to the table let's talk about this yeah did we touch on why your character got invited <laughs> i mean I, we, I understand he has the connections i guess connections are helpful connections can be helpful in this situation so how i how i thought about it is he knows moon dust because he's used it right okay a lot for his lucian magic so he's just another person in addition to cool J. Um, who could help out in case something happens, Cool J? He can help uh, if there's an immediate threat with reducing the. I, okay. I can't remember exactly how we did it, but just like uh, handling the potential threats that could come with this big storage of moon dust. Also, he's just fun to have. Everyone yeah. likes. Also, him. his his dad works in the governor's office. <laughs> uh, his dad was the king. I now he's gone. <laughs> um, no, I think this works though because then my character kind of brings to the table like. He's an action hero. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like if a fight and there's pirates. And so if a fight ensues, he's going to be ready for that. Yeah. I think we got a good team then. I think we're, we're well equipped. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't mention, uh, his name is Dominic Hughes. Um, but a lot of people call him Dom. So he's just known as Dom Hughes. Um, Oh, okay. I, oh, took me a second. Took me a second. Is he Tom Cruise? <laughs> Actually, now that you say that, yeah, he does kind of look like Tom Cruise. <laughs> I thought he was going to be I thought he was going to be uh, Jack from Lost because we were talking about Lost as part of the prompt um, that it felt like the button or that he was going to be Desmond when he started talking about how right. how handsome he is. Um, but yeah. OK, Tom Cruise. Perfect. No, perfect. A lot, lot of charisma, a lot of uh, he does his own stunts and he's also very convincing I, at first because I had the Fast and Furious trailer from the Super Bowl in my mind. I was thinking you were going in that direction. Dominic Toretto. Nope. Do you think? Is Vin Diesel attractive? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's Hollywood attractive, yeah. but I think he's just regular guy attractive. I, that just occurred to me. I was like, yeah, I feel like you would put him in that group. But if you compare him against, you know, any any like handsome Hollywood actor, it's like, no, nah, he's like kind of the weird dude. Anyway, I got distracted by that weird train of thought. <laughs> you got something on your mind, Brian? No, I just just sort of occurred to me. It's just I just don't know. I don't know if he's attractive. I think attraction comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes Fair. and yeah. uh, part of his attraction is his persona as a whole. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just his Tom Cruise, if, Tom Cruise is very just like he has a very symmetrical face, you know what I mean? Does he? I kind of picture one side of his mouth sort of higher than the other, sort of snarling. Yeah. What I mean is like he's tr he's a traditional pretty boy yeah. who is m muscular and athletic and he has a great smile, you know what I mean? You ever think about those actors and you're like, "Wait, they weren't like jocks?" Like they were act, they act, they were like in theater and stuff. They were theater nerds. Yeah, so many action heroes were theater nerds in high school. That's weird to me sometimes. Anyway, we can we can get back to the story now. Should we roll our our success rolls? Yeah. Before that, can you remind me what race and class Dominic Hughes is? Yeah. 
Oh, yes. Uh, Dominic Hughes is an elf. Oh, I don't know if I had officially decided on his class. Two elves this campaign. Yeah. And then someone who should be an elf but isn't. Yeah. Hugo Weaving. Yeah. So I would say he's either a bard or like a uh, rogue or something. Cause like, I think he's a roguish bard. He's a roguish bard. Yeah. He's, he's a. He's a bard, but he's got roguish good looks. Yes. We'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's roll. Okay. Brian, do you want to go for it first? Yeah. I rolled a 12. So just sort of middle of the road. So I think, I think his approach is going to be basically that he will just stand by. He's, he's like, he's not going to like help with the fighting. He's just like, okay, I will, I will point people in the right direction. I will be, I will point out uh, different opportunities. But other than that, I'm kind of just standing back. I am the smart guy here. I am just kind of here to, um, you know, when we get to the, to the valves, I know how to work all the valves. I built some of them. I will handle that part. But until then, I'm just kind of, kind of, kind of wait back. All right. So that's the sort of average approach. Like maybe he's maybe he's helpful at sometimes, but but not all the time. So he's like the he's the brains and the consultant, but he's he's gonna stay away from the action because he knows if it gets heated, he doesn't stand a chance. Yeah, I think he I think he knows his strengths and weaknesses. This is the first time my dump stat has been Constitution. Like I don't think I've ever had a, a character in D and D have have bad Constitution. Like it's just it's so helpful, but he has like no HP. And he's just very sort of sickly. Yeah. So he's like, I'm not putting myself in danger. If I'm if I'm dead, I think it's a smart approach, right? If I am dead, then we are worse off trying to to get those valves running or whatever. Okay, Houston. Um, I'm gonna set the stage a little bit. Here we go. Here we go. Here comes the drama. No, last time we set the stage before <laughs> we learned the role, it was not good. So I think you guys all have your plans, and I think Trevor's on board with it, but he also knows that. Best way to approach fellow humans, elves, gnomes, whatever species another person may be is, you know, just extending a hand of friendship. And so I think Trevor just knocks on the door of the lab, goes, would you like to hear some couplets? And I think the pirates are confused at first, but he starts reciting one from uh, Black Magic Hearts, a poem by Celeste Butler Mendez. And goes what underhanded monkey business razzle dazzle bull is this is double crossing flim flam scam debauchery or hocus sham is wheeling dealing and romance putting lovers in a trance and as he's doing this everyone's just like what is this nonsense but this is great i haven't heard a poem in a long time this is fantastic keep going trevor i can't i can't tell if this is an effective i can't tell if this is an effective diversion or he is just about to die um is he a bard too do we have two bards and two elves on this i forgot no i'm a i'm an illusion wizard oh that's right i knew you did illusion but i wasn't sure your class oh sit tight this is all building something oh okay Antics, capers, or witches brew, enchanting hymns, or shaman stew, whose quackery or voodoo drink made Casanova stop and think, and turned the ancient lovers cold, poor Romeo and nymphs of old. You're probably thinking, wow, this is, what is this nonsense? This is just a mumble jumble of words. Yeah, who's Romeo? I don't know, but I want to learn more. Keep going, man, keep going. Perhaps black magic's potent gel or craftiness, or wicked smell, a clever con, or master hoax, or just some trickster playing jokes, whatever ruse that works the arts, mumbo-jumbo seduces hearts. And everyone's just applauding at this point. They've never heard a poem so great. They open the door and just go out to hug this amazing master of couplets. And as they embrace him in their arms, his body disappears oh, no. because it was an illusion. 
And then what happens? Delayed fireball goes off. That's right. Trevor got a 19 on his roll and he just blew up a fireball in their faces and burned all the pirates. Very cool. <laughs> it was a positive one this time. Jake, if you roll the one, we're like on pretty good track right now. Like we're getting we have a way to get through the pirates. We have me on hand to help yeah. with the thing. Don't screw this up is all I'm saying. Well, let me uh, also set the stage here a little bit. So I, th I like the idea that like Brian, your character being sort of the consultant, he, uh, you know, he still has some of the tech that was developed in Cole J's uh, facility. And one of those is like an earpiece that both of them can like communicate, like that people can communicate through basically like, you know, Bluetooth devices. And so um, since he's standing back, he is going to be giving instructions to, um, Houston's character and my character and uh, my character's plan is uh, to essentially get on a motorcycle. <laughs> of and, course. Um, Are motorcycles an invention that came about through Moondust? Yeah, they've got to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Moondust powered. Uh, so Cold J helped him out with that. Like they, it's like a motorcycle. Yeah, it's Ooh, I like that. Yeah, it's a it's a motorcycle. <laughs> uh, he just he gets it up to like 150 miles an hour. There's a ramp. He jumps off the ramp, he flies through the air, um, and then he opens a wingsuit and uh, they time it perfectly coordinating through their like earpieces for like when the pirates explode, he starts like flying downward into the facility and the doors that have been blown open, my character basically like wingsuits through the flames and into the building and then up and through the facility and lands directly next to the storage tanks for the moon dust. And then uh, Brian's character um, talks him through exactly what valves to release to lower the pressure on the moon dust containers, thereby averting a disaster because jumping a motorcycle off a cliff and hang or, and then wingsuiting into the facility was an okay approach. And it was a 13. Nice. But overall, but overall, <laughs> we did a pretty dang good job. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what's 44 divided Wait, by three oh i guess it wasn't that spectacular a 19 helps you out quite a bit you're welcome 14.666 repeating of course we, we round up we do right? round up we'll call that a good approach we'll call it a success the way everyone described it sounded like a success yeah it sure felt like one I think we all wanted it to be a success after the events. Of I the last was time. judging at first the whole, let me set the scene, but I think you guys are right. I think you're right that uh, that's the best way to go. I love the suspense. Yeah, it, it makes it feel like a, you know, a very compact but gripping yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't need to happen every time, but I felt it was relevant since last time I did it. We got a one and I just wanted to play with that's your great. emotions a little bit. Um, yeah. So end of, the, end of the story is the facility is now back under uh, Cole J's control. He uh, rehires Brian uh, and they make amends and he promotes him into an upper uh, position. Uh, the governor thinks them all, gives them all a medal and nobody ever knows that nobody in the, in the city of Nidex city ever knows that one day they almost blew up. The governor gets reelected. I wouldn't take it that far. We still got six months till the election. I think, I think that could be potentially a future uh, story. Do we have a name for the company? I think that would be fun to do, to name Cold J's company. We've just been calling it Cold J's company. Yeah, I, that would be fun. I like that as kind of our final world building piece. Um, what about Moon? But it's spelled M-U-N-E. It gets a little bit of the gnome influence, but it's also like one of those cool like silicon valley tech company yeah. vibes do we know 
Do we know? Do we know what species Cole J is? I think we talked about him being a muskrat person at some point because he was like Elon Musk, but that maybe was the other guy. I don't think we even know that about Cole J. Um, we can figure that out at some point. I like the idea of just calling it moon, but spelled weird. What about M U just M U N with a line over the U with the, like a, yeah, with like an umlaut or something. Okay. I didn't say umlaut yeah, because that. Houston knows how umlauts actually work. Yeah. I do realize umlauts sound different. Than I'm just doing a, a just flat bar across the top. I think that, I think that's a nice a moon. U. It's a long U. It's a long U. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very stylized in the yeah. binding. Okay, very cool. We saved cool. Moon. We saved the city of Nidex. We saved the region of Nidex. And we, we, we looked good doing it, is what I will say. All right, join us next week on Background Checks. See you later. Wait, what is it? That was all, and bye. Bye.